Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of The Dive. I am Jat, joined by Kobe and Azale, and this week we have a special guest from Rias Design Team. You worked specifically on the AP item changes, but also on the general patch, 4 patch 8.4, which we're going to chat a lot about today. Welcome to the show. First question, what is your Riot name? My Riot name is uh, Froxon, so... <laughs> Second question, why How did you, you pick that? such a terrible name? Uh, I played Rumble with this kid, and no one on our team could even say it. Yeah, well, long story, but basically when I was eight years old, a very young age, uh, there was this uh, Frozen Throne Close poster, and I used to go play RuneScape with uh, my friend who lived across the road. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, I need to make a uh, name, a, a handle for myself. And I was like, oh man, this Frozen Throne poster looks pretty cool. There's like a picture of Arthas on it. And then I was just like, oh, huh. Maybe I'll make a Frozon. <laughs> oh, and you never decided to change it. Yeah, I mean like. You're right. You could be anything. Well. You could have any name in the world. You know. You could be Riot Matt. Eight-year-old me is best me. Eight-year-old go. creativity. I'm, I'm going to call you Matt. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, Matt, Matt works good. Uh, so, okay. First off, just can you give us a quick description of kind of what you do uh, at Riot and what your contribution was to the patch 8.4 yeah. here? So I work on the live gameplay team. So it's like. Uh, we do primarily balance uh, in the past, but nowadays we kind of own all of the uh, content that gets released and put into the game. So after it's released, we kind of own it from that point. Uh, so nowadays we tend to do more like systems changes and more balance work uh, and some mini reworks and those kinds of things belong to us. So it's like... Matt's yeah. put some good ones out. Yeah, I've definitely yeah. put some good ones in. Uh, Top Lane Fizz was... When I was an intern back in uh, 2015, <laughs> you yeah, were the reason for top lane. Yeah, that was that was uh, Dash old, it. uninformed me, <laughs> uh, not really knowing what I was doing. But I think I'm uh, I'm much better now. So yeah, sweet. <laughs> All right. Well, 8.4 obviously uh, is going to be the thing on I think a lot of people's minds. Yeah. There's been already a ton of kind of speculation about this patch and and implications of the patch. I mean. We were looking at the patch notes. It's enormous. Like, yeah. It literally just got released. Yeah, we're really recording fun. this Wednesday morning. It's 11.19 right now. The patch notes were released 18 <laughs> minutes ago. So, like, we did know, mo like, some of the patch things that we're mm -hmm. going to talk about beforehand. But uh, we're reacting pretty much at the same time as all the communities yeah. on this thing. It feels like a new season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's what I was going to say. I mean, the patch is, is enormous. And there's been a lot of talk about, uh, oh, yeah, we don't want to disrupt competitive play. We're going to save the, the fatty patches for you know mid-season pre-season etc look reading this patch notes it looks like it's a pre-season change or like a mid-season change huge, like dude. everything mm -hmm. has changed there's so many champion changes there's systematic changes there's item reworks there's everything why right like why everything right now so like ultimately from our perspective it's like we want to put out the most value that we can uh mainly to we want we, we ideally want to balance for uh, competitive and for normal players. So it's like, oh, if there's something that's plaguing live for the past, you know, several months or like even, you know, a few weeks, mm, we want to put it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Zoe. We want to like, we want to put that shit out fast, right? And we also want to be respectful to the competitive players, right? Like these people are playing for their, their livelihoods ultimately. Um, and so what we've ended up doing this year in terms of like patch structure is like we've, we have the big patches and we have the small patches. So the big patches, for people that don't know, are on the even numbers. So 8.4, this is a big patch. 8.3 generally is pretty light. So 8.3 last patch was pretty light. 8.1 was very light. Hmm. Um, and so we have a lot more time to kind of make sure that the things, well, we want to try and make sure that the things land in a reasonable 
balanced spot when we do put them out in the big patch. And also we've kind of started up some esports like communication initiatives. Uh, we have an esports uh, guy embedded on our team who kind of talks to analysts and coaches. He has a like global network of analysts and coaches so he can send them out. You know, we're removing Tracker's knife uh, ahead of time. So it's like... <laughs> how, how far ahead of time can you talk about that stuff? Um, so pretty much as soon as we made the decision that we were going to do it, it was just like, you know, he's just like in his channel kind of talking to them. I remember, um, <laughs> you know, some teams are like, oh, man, I hate that you're removing Tracker's knife. And some teams are like, man, I love that you're removing Tracker's knife because, like, you know, some people don't want award, right? So it's like, uh, ideally, we want to get to a spot where we can do these larger changes and be able to mm -hmm. give pro teams like a lot of heads up once changes have been locked down essentially was this one all in part so big because uh there's been a lot of kind of negative community reactions to the meta currently mm. uh has that affected it at all it kind of feels like this one maybe one change opened up the floodgates and everyone was like all right getting my change <laughs> in too getting my change in yeah. 8.42 because like you said you don't want to interrupt pro play and we don't want to get like closer to playoffs or whatever mm. so i assume you just want to get as much of the big ones in now so you have time to correct for pros? Yeah, so pretty much uh, one of the pushes for putting AP items in 8.4 especially is because we don't want to drop them on 8.6. It's like, oh, well, it feels kind of shitty if you're getting AP items, you know, dropped on playoffs patch. Mm -hmm. uh, so we want to push them out, and then we have time. You know, we have two patches to pretty much nail down the balance. Like, we think we've got it okay uh, currently, but obviously that stuff can still improve. There might be, like, some broken combos that we might need to sort out before... Um, playoffs patch hits uh but ultimately yeah i think it was also like a conflux of you know every everyone's got some projects that they've been working on long term and they mm -hmm. all just happen to like sync up and you know we just kind of all drop them in together and it's like oh <laughs> yeah it's <please>, like <laughs> that's one no, thing like i'm reading but, through this patch there's trackers knife there's ap items how many of these are like pro facing versus solo queue facing because it feels like the Baron and Dragon stuff that is different and the Tracker's Knife removal are very pro facing, but like even some of the champion changes. Feel but like what about like the AP items? Is that more of a general player thing or is that also pro facing? Yeah, I mean AP items is something that players have really been asking for for a long time. Um, people don't really like building Morellos into Leandries into Void, as far as I can tell. And it's like, oh, I have well, some some players do and some players don't, but I think the majority mm -hmm. of players don't, and so. It's something that, you know, we thought would deliver value to players and also to pros, right? Like, we can see how, you know, builds change when esports comes out, right? And it's like, mm -hmm. oh, well, maybe this person got, you know, GLP and this person got Ludens or whatever. Um, All right. Well, let's start at the beginning then, because some of the biggest complaints about the current meta were around the length of especially pro games. Mm -hmm. um, and some of the big changes that we see right in here are immediately Baron and Elder Dragon. Those have to be the ones that to affect uh, you know the game length because they're simply making the buff stronger later in the game. Hmm. Um, can you explain a little bit about uh, why did you choose these two uh, levers as far as uh, kind yeah. of game length changes? I mean, ultimately, uh, epic monsters, uh, uh, power, uh, I guess power levers that are very clear and apparent to players and they're very clear and apparent to viewers as well. And also like when you're doing it in a broadcast, it's like, oh, wow, they took the elder, you know, they took the second elder that's probably going to be game ending, and it's like a good narrative to build on, uh, as well as understandable for the viewer. Um, we're expecting it to be pretty game ending when you do end up getting those late uh, buffs. And typically what we've seen previously is like, hey, you get these these games where taking late objectives just doesn't really do anything in terms of ending the game. I mean, it mm -hmm. does like some marginal 
uh, mm -hmm. advantage, but in terms of like actually being able to break down the base, uh, we felt that these buffs needed to be stronger, especially later in the game. How, like, uh, just a question for everyone, I'm kind of kind of looking at the Elder Dragon buff, you know, I was thinking a lot about, like, it's very obvious what the intention is, it's helping you yeah. close out games. Let's read through what, what is actually changing too, because like the patch notes are so long and they just yeah. came out. So, I mean, the Elder Dragon uh, respawn is going down to eight minutes. Uh, essentially, the buff duration is 150 seconds for the first buff, 300 seconds for the subsequent buffs. Yeah. And it goes from uh, 45 plus 45 for each Drake to mm -hmm. 135 plus 90 uh, per Drake kill for subsequent buffs. And then it's 50% effectiveness amp on the first uh, first one you kill for, for each Drake and then to yeah. 100% for the So second if it's kill. a triple Infernal and then you get an Elder, you basically have six Infernal Dragons worth of power plus yeah. you get the second Elder. <laughs> In addition to this giant burn damage <laughs> plus that you're also going to have. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and so... People going to die. Exactly. So when I, when I was looking at this, you know, I'm kind of thinking to myself, oh, well, yeah, definitely Elder wasn't always that the most impactful, but if, if that like zero, did we go all the way to 100? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. at, at what point uh, does me killing the second Elder Dragon buff just let me pick up the delete button and I press this and their base explodes? Or does and I it win backfire? Game, right? right? Like, like, it's supposed yeah. to speed up games, but you're not going to get the second Elder Dragon until at least, what, like 44, 44. minutes into the game? Mm -hmm. Do you now just try and get to 44 <laughs> minutes and, and pick up the second and Elder? Is it okay if. If it's just a guaranteed win, if you get that, right? Like, as to, you know, speaking about narrative, we obviously it makes it more important, but if it comes down to, like, this 50-50 dragon, this 50-50 dragon steal, and they get that, like, is that okay? That they just automatically win the game? Like, yeah. I don't know. And and maybe it's not at that point, right? Mm. But it just seems like such a crazy uh, uh, increase. Well, it the first thing is it jumps out that, okay, they're not going to be sitting inside their bases late game anymore. If there's a second Elder Dragon buff up... Get your ass out in there. Instead of, oh, let's all just turtle inside, maybe we can win our last stand at our Nexus. Now it's, yeah. okay, let's go out there and try and win our last stand. But I, I guess it's changing the location of where you want to make your last stand. <laughs> well, and I just really hope that it's not, okay, turtle inside your base with Klista, Nunu, Azir, and then when it's going to spawn, then you go out and you don't go out for anything else, right? Like, you go out for each Elder and you or you, or you turtle until Baron spawns, and then you try to start stacking barons. Like I, I don't think it's going to be that, but I'm hoping so, it's not. Yeah, I mean, Matt, since you did work, you like tested these changes as well. How do you feel like it's going to? Um, I think, well, generally speaking, like this dragon stacking mechanic that Elder Dragon has on it, uh, kind of contributes to teams wanting to fight for the dragons earlier in the game. And so, typically, like this is this is pretty much. I, I doubt it would get to a situation where it's like, hey, this team took six elders, then the other one it took six normal dragons, right? And then the other team, like, just randomly stole one and then they win. Because, I mean, the way that the math works out is, like, the the dragon is not that powerful when you mm -hmm. do take it. Mm -hmm. um, and you've probably sacked an, a, a first elder at that point as well, right? So it's, like, in the miraculous case that you do have this, like, insane turtling scaling comp and you do give away one elder and then you steal the second one miraculously, it's, like, that seems like a pretty low chance to me. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we've seen it. Yeah, Bear out. Mm -hmm. it seems like it'd be hard to win the fight to even yeah. be able to get that uh, prize. Yeah. So what? Yeah, th that's that's like pretty much the intention, like partially the intention of the like stacking buff mechanic because you get, you know, additional bonus for taking previous dragons, right? So there is some protection there. Yeah, talking about Baron a little bit as well. Uh, one thing I noticed is the bonus stats early on. Attack damage-wise are pretty much the same. It used to give 25 attack damage and ability power. Now it gives 24 attack damage and 40 ability power. Mm -hmm. And then it scales up 
more aggressively by what 27 minutes 30 seconds to 48 attack damage and 80 ability power at 40 minutes um so this is meant to accelerate the end of the game and there's also some minion buff changes where they're harder to kill um just what what are the like the high level goals there um so i think the minion buff changes are probably more important than the buff in a lot of cases particularly because the champions that you take to repel baron sieges they essentially just one-shot the casters when they're firing at the turrets. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we want to add in some protection for that. Previously, the only the melee minions get the damage reduction. Um, and so, essentially, the whole point of the Baron buff is that it provides you this, like, buffer to be able to attack the turret, uh, especially mm-hmm. for, like, melee champs or to zone people off the turret. Um, so I think that's more impactful than the actual raw combat stats. Obviously, if you're, like, split-pushing and you have uh, the combat stats, like, those are meant to be more powerful for you. And also it's meant to give some kind of team fight power, but I would say the primary the primary use of the Baron is to help you in sieges while Elder is meant to help you in terms of combat power. So it's like kind of informs which which epics you're wanting to prioritize. How in testing, how much more difficult was it to actually defend this? Because while I well like you know I was kind of talking more theoretical with stalling for mm-hmm. Elder and stuff, stalling for Baron, like waiting and then only fighting for Baron, seems pretty reasonable if it's really hard to defend. Especially, you know, everyone saw the videos of the, of the Baron plus uh, plus cannon minion with the uh, with the banner of command. And obviously, that was you know a, a bugged interaction. Video. Okay, well, I hope you didn't see that. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it, that that was a video of a cannon with Baron and banner like five shotting a turret. Yeah. But that that was bugged, so it was doing too much damage. Mm-hmm. But like, how tough was it to really to defend? Because to me, it kind of sounds somewhat reasonable to like play passively and then go for Baron if it is this tough to defend, right? With banners, with Zerats, with these sorts of things, if you can just get a ton of gold off that one objective. Mm. Um, I mean, I would say it's, in general, it's like pretty, it's pretty easy to defend like currently, I would mm. say. Um, just because the way the way we, we have changed minions over the years is like melee minions are meant to be the tanky guys and the casters are meant to be the damage dealers. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, well, let's say if it's too risky for the AD to walk up, like uh, Ariana can zone really hard with ball or like Azia can zone really hard with soldier threat, then it's like, oh, it's, I mean, you might have the melee minion buffer there, but it really doesn't help you that much if the casters mm-hmm. aren't really damaging them. So in, in, in terms of that, I think it's like pretty easy to, f- to defend on live and it's going to make it way harder to defend. Yeah. I think for me, an ideal curve for the game would be that the early game matters enough as far as you can have an early game oriented team uh, to try and gain power so that the other team, even if they are centered around Baron or pushing something like that, the early game team has the ability to be too strong by 20 minutes Mm. even Mm -hmm. uh, as far as being able to win a team fight or being able to have enough map control gained from the early advantage Mm -hmm. that it makes things like that, uh, you know, more difficult than what you're talking about, just kind of waiting for Baron yeah. or whatever yeah. and going for that. So then that, that's kind of where you could get multiple strategies, which everyone wants, and, you know, multiple stages of the game being important. Uh, uh, of course, it's always like that's the goal, right? To yeah, tinkering certainly. to that point. Yeah. I'm also kind of curious, like, so I'm, I'm looking at these notes and I'm seeing, um, you know, so Baron, the Baron uh, buff for AD is much more similar than it was for AP, and then Death Cap also got buffed. I'm kind of curious. Do you guys think it's actually going to have any any effect, uh, like real effect, on how much more powerful mages can be late game? Because theoretically, in a 40 minute Baron, mm. you're getting 80 AP instead of 40 AP, and then uh, Death Cap is also giving 5% more additional AP. Like, 
do you guys think that would actually, you know, change that much as far as like the late game dynamics? Because right now it is kind of 80 carries reign supreme yeah. mm. with a potential extra like 50, 60, 70 AP or whatever. Like, I don't yeah. know. Does that throw off any dynamics? Yeah. yeah <laughs> I, I, think it, I think it should, but uh, we could even just move on to the AP sure. items in that case because yeah. uh, you guys did a lot. Mm. Uh, my first read on the AP items here was like Morel and Omicron. You take the lost chapter, you split it into three items, and then they all have their own separate build paths with different uses. But then you guys also did, like, Leandry's changes, mm -hmm. and you changed the AP value on Void and Death Cap and added an AP move speed item. Like, yeah. why why all of the change? Why so um, I think generally speaking, when we do item changes, they have, like, a really strict relearning cost. Um, especially, like, for players that aren't particularly engaged with the game, like, yeah. play very uh, sporadically. I mean, like, like two years ago when I went when I went back to Fiji, like to a net cafe randomly there. Mm -hmm. I'm just like uh, looking at the players playing, right? And it's like, oh, if we dump like you know all of these things, it's like it's it's really difficult to relearn your habits like repetitively week after week. And it's like, oh well, you know, some players like don't have access to you know or, or time to just like digest Three, everything, right? I, Even pros, Huni Huni just recently built Sterix plus Ma. In, yeah. uh, in pro play, right? Like some of the best players in the world right. still aren't yeah. up on all the changes. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and so generally speaking, in terms of item changes or like big systems changes, we mm -hmm. want to kind of consolidate all of those relearnings into one kind of package. So it's like, oh, you don't have to relearn which zeal item You're to You're just making the test so big sure. that everyone has to do their homework now on yeah. Bastion Notes. Yeah. Us are like, well, none of the items work the way they were right, supposed right, right. to. Okay, so oh, how does that tie into this? Because yeah. there's three different lost chapter lines now. Mm. Uh, so in this particular case, uh, we wanted to split out Morellonomicon to be, uh, essentially on live, people would just build Morellonomicon, kind of no real thinking about it. Instead, we wanted to add more like contextual game state choices rather than champion kitbind choices. You can kind of have an analogy to uh, Lichbane. It's like, oh, well, Lichbane, you can only really buy on certain champions who have, mm -hmm. you know, these really short cooldown spells. Instead, we want to have the situational choices that you take be decided by game state. Uh, and, and generally speaking, like in terms of the zeal items, uh, let's say you have a inbuilt hurricane synergy, it's like, well, mm. I mean, at that point, you're not really going to deviate from hurricane. And so the Luden's GLP Archangel split are really trying to hit that, hey, I build this different item based on the champion I'm playing or playing against or the jungler I'm playing with or the jungler I'm playing against or the team comp I'm playing against. So, mm -hmm. for example, let's say let's say you were playing uh, Ariana because Ariana can take all three She's in, generic, in yep. any reasonable capacity. And it's like, oh, I'm playing against this, you know, garbage tier Lena like Vagar or something. Maybe I want to stack on him with Archangels. Maybe I just want to straight up kill him with GLP. Maybe we have an Elise and we can, you know, gank assist with GLP. Mm -hmm. Or maybe we can, I can just one-shot him with Ludens or whatever, or just chip him down. Like, those are the kinds of decisions that are kind of altered by game state. It's so do you think that this has actually achieved that? Because that's something that is talked about a lot, uh, but I think is achieved extremely rarely. Yeah. I think even with runes, mm -hmm. I think, you know, with item choices, every time there's, you know, the defensive item rework, everything is about, oh, okay, well, there's this one situation where you do this, then you do this. But then it's like, oh, well, it turns out for like a year, you just built Spear Visage and Iceborne and yeah, Sunfire, yeah. right? Because things get figured out. Do you think this is just solvable or do you think you've actually kind of achieved more of that? Uh, I'm remaining like, uh, like hopefully optimistic about these. Um, I think that especially for mages with, which don't have 
uh, very focused kits. Mm -hmm. Um, There is actually some choice there. Um, So, yeah, I'm, I'm like, hopefully optimistic. For me, too, a lot of this comes down to players like, uh, you know, simplicity. So they'll often just get a build that they like and want Mm -hmm. to build the same thing over and over or Mm -hmm. just wait for someone figure out what's the best. So then I can just build the best, you know, build or whatever. Uh, A lot of people aren't going to be like, okay, now this is the time to, uh, you know, kind of take advantage of those changes. I mean, I mean, in theory, we saw uh, (laughs) actually it's funny because uh, in China, it's like, oh, well, you'll you know, take Uzi's rune page or whatever, yeah. and then and then the ADC will be like, wait, why why the hell do I have this demolish thing? <laughs> it's like, like what? it's like I don't I want see, this thing. Right? I actually it's see like, so many people with uh, like you know the magic resistance and yeah. resolve and stuff like that because that's what they take every single time, even though they're playing mm-hmm. against like a Yasuo or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Ultimately, what we want to build out is uh, kind of you have this generic purchase, and then you have like small. Let, let's say like the generic purchase gets you like ninety percent of the way, and then you have small optimizations you can do that you know give you the five percent mm-hmm. extra bonus, and then that can you know compound into you know like. Generally speaking, League is a game of small advantages, and like you build small advantages into big ones, and it's like, oh, you have these small five percents, and you build them into something big, and it's like that's kind of the thing we want to. It's kind of an interesting, uh, interesting question or, or thought or whatever, because you're talking about like it gets you these small advantages, and this is something I've talked about with you guys and with mm-hmm. Freak and with a lot of people, and it's just kind of like the idea of where where is your guys ideal world as far as like how much of an advantage should i get because i took the you know the armor rune instead of the magic resist rune against yasuo how much should i get mm. because i knew to build mm-hmm. executioners about like, against a mundo or a trundle right and that's a discussion i've had a lot because yeah. there are um, some of these item checks where it just feels like did you build grievous wounds against mundo no okay he's op did you okay he's crap right you know like <laughs> and and how like where where's the guideline on that how 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 much effect do you think that should have on, on your power in the yeah. game i think it depends on the type of player that you are too right like because i love that stuff the, i love optimizing exactly. and thinking i'm yeah. smarter than you i Listen, built the right thing the nerds that make a podcast to talk for an hour about the patch <laughs> are, are gonna want <laughs> are gonna wa- and the people that listen to it are gonna want items to matter a lot yeah right whereas the people that still build abyssal scepter when it changes to abyssal mask like three months later don't want that to be impactful they just want to be able to style on you with their buttons so i do like the pre-game existing because that's a big thing that draws me into the game but i don't want it to overpower everything else like i still ne- i should still need to be good at the game to take advantage of my of pre-gaming. But like right? thought exercise, yeah. you know, like how much of a percentage like increase in chance to win should it give you, right? If you do it optimally, right. he's the guy building Abyssal three months later off his chain. <laughs> he just wants to press his buttons, yeah. you know? It should give you a 10% better I chance? I think the game should Five, be 75% 20? and the pre-game should be 25%. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's it's really hard to put an actual of number, course, of course. It's to, just, number you know. to that. But yeah, I definitely I think it's an interesting point because... Another complaint that I've seen a lot around, you know, the current meta, um, with it developing more and more into team fights matter the most, so five on fives have become extremely important. Uh, there were a lot of people complaining about, since it's a team game, um, it, it matters more if one of my teammates does something so bad, like, you know, the nobody builds Grievous Wounds or whatever, uh, yeah. the, the most yeah. optimal user. And then I'm like, oh, well, I, you know, I'm the support Brahm or whatever. I can't 
build a, well, I guess I could. So then you, so then that leads then you to don't have your locket. Or yeah. The, the main drawback to team games like this is when you're people, dependent on those dummy teammates, when you get people just put on like your this team, guy. like you, me, you have that feeling, troll. right? And everybody can relate to that feeling. So we all laugh oh, about it, relate. but <laughs> you could Man. be that person on my team. I could be that dummy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Matt, do you have a answer to Isaac's question there? Like how much should pregame yeah. knowing your build path versus just being good? I mean, generally speaking, I think it's a pretty divisive split within design. Um, but my personal opinion is that I think pregame edges should matter in terms of like, hey, I'm optimizing these small edges that multiply on top of each other and less about, hey, I bought Grievous Wound. I didn't buy Grievous Wound, so my team lost. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the game of optimizations versus the game of, hey, uh, hard countery, <clears throat> I think... I prefer optimizations uh, mm. in that in that case in terms Good of like word choice. yeah <laughs> in terms of like driving you know item and, and room uh-huh. decisions mm-hmm. uh, if if I took you know mirror shell as twisted fate against Azir Pokey Lane or whatever or like I took you know inspiration resolve because I just wanted to out attrition him and and run his mana pool dry um, I think that those types of things are uh, good compared to like yeah you know. By execution, execution yeah, because down. you still have to execute on the or thing, right? Right. It's not like to, yeah. if I did the thing, yeah, I exactly. win. You have to then play yeah. around the the choice you made. I think yeah. Generally, we we like supporting counters, but generally speaking, counters should have some kind of play to them. Um, obviously, we would want to be able to say, hey, like, you know, executionist has some play for Mundo, but. Um, Ultimately, like we only have so much time, and it's it like, does have yeah. it has lots. It, your play was <laughs> yeah. not to pick Mundo. Don't get, don't get hit <laughs> by the executioner, dude. <laughs> Having said that, it like Mundo's <laughs> kid, maybe, game maybe, again, maybe, you know, just yeah. don't pick the chance. <laughs> you know, maybe Mundo's kid is is too brittle and too yeah. like based around his healing, and maybe he should be more about you know cle- like cleaver throwing in, so he doesn't get hard counted by one item. You know. Yeah, I do want to just uh, really quick touch on the tooltip here because I think it's an important PSA. I was super confused when I first read the tooltip for mm. Luden's Echo and Hextech and Archangel Staff yeah. uh, because there's 10% CDR on the item and then they have this unique passive that also gives them 10 CDR Mm. so all of the lost chapter upgrades give you 20% CDR it just comes in two parts because if you stack Luden's Echo and Hextech DOP you'll now have 30% CDR instead of 40 so uh, don't be confused that they say 10% twice it's actually a 20% CDR item yeah ultimately we want to like don't uh, incentivize as much you know build diversification if you want it right like if you want you know, a crap load of mana because you're playing Rise or, you know, Cassio or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, we want to open that path to you without making it, like, ludicrously broken so that you only take, mm-hmm. you know, there's only, like, five, well, like, there's only a few AP, AP 20% CDR items in the shop. And so it's like, oh, well, due to the way that CDR works, um, in this additive model, it's uh, taking 20%. Once you add 10% and 10% on top of that, each each CDR that you add is a... Yeah. Uh, greater increase in your um, mm-hmm. costs. So, so I'm also still uh, thinking about the strategy diversity in mm-hmm. role play. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys feel the exact same way, but I'm pretty sure uh, most people have felt like for a while, you know, pro play is trending more and more towards the five on five is the important thing, and so then we get everybody with like mandatory tanks and you have mandatory specialized DPS champions mm-hmm. um, that are four damage over time. And, mm-hmm. and, and so much of it is revolving around um, five on five for pro play. How 
is that kind of on the balance um, dashboard there? Do you guys, for, for solo queue, it's probably a lot easier for people to do split push and to have, you know, play assassins uh, and, and make use of burst damages. Mm -hmm. um, what's kind of the medium between, okay, we're seeing all these, everyone playing tanks and, um, you know, even in solo queue, people complain, oh yeah, you're just gonna play the five on five comp or whatever and mm -hmm. just group. Um, where's like the needle maybe between those two, I guess? I mean, I, I mean, suddenly we want to try and incentivize as much strategic diversity as possible mm -hmm. um, in terms of strategies. I guess my counterpoint would be, do we consider like Camille and, you know, Gangplank Fiora to be like five on five teamfight champs or like is, the, is the current top lane? For me, uh, Camille is a bit of an outlier right now. As a champion, a lot of people just think um, her personal power is super sure. strong, but yeah. I would definitely agree. Especially because uh, flex pick and pro play yeah. adds a lot of value. Mm -hmm. I would definitely agree. The Camille is like the style of um, you know having the split option or whatever. But mm -hmm. even then, right now she's often used with like Galio or something to dive in for the five five and to like, turn her you know, into sure, a sure, sure. sure you like alter her properties into being more tanky. I guess. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, I guess when I look at the pro meta, um, I see like a pretty decent diversity in terms of mm -hmm. uh, picks that you can take and, you know, these team strategy, like, hey, you took, um, you know, GP for team fight or like, let's say, let hypothetically, it's like, oh, uh, let's say GP was like used more for his ult and like, you know, kind of barrel team fight play and was less of a split pusher, like hypothetically, it's like, oh, well, you do take things mm -hmm. to counter that kind of mm -hmm. style like in lane um and i think that's like a reasonably healthy like uh system in my opinion but um i guess generally if we can support split push uh we would having said that it is quite difficult to support split push just yeah. because of how little response that you generally have um, and i think teleport plays a big part into this and we are looking at you know, kind of changes mm -hmm. to teleport and, and experimental changes to teleport. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got some things in iteration right now, uh, which are hopefully, you know, addressing this kind of freeze that teleport has on the game in mm -hmm. terms of, hey, you take teleport to be the best split pusher and the best, like, right. team fighter kind of thing. So it's like... Yeah. yeah, I mean, Kobe, even to your question, I think, personally, there's always a want to have different end goals be the goal for different teams, right? Like, yeah. you don't want everyone building towards team fight, and some teams will want to build towards different strategies. But mm -hmm. throughout League's history, over time, like, it usually trends towards the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. You'll trend, And right now, we feel like we're in the mid lane, shove out and roam, 80 carries, take the late game, top laners eventually be able to win the 1v1, but ultimately still be effective at collapsing to team fights. Like, that's the game state right now. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, this patch in particular... I think has a chance to disrupt that, even if it's just oh yeah, there's a because there's yeah. so many changes, right? Because there's so many changes, and, and I mean, you know, like to, to your top lane point, I think a lot of it is is like personally less about playstyle and more about certain champions being too strong right now, you know, and that's why it's like GP and we'll, exactly, and, and we'll talk about that more in the champion section. But I mean, NarGP Orn are are massive as far as like representation is in picks, right, compared to some of these other picks. And and it's I don't think it's just about their playstyle. They're just too good, but they are getting yeah. nerfed. And I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about some of the actual specific uh, AP. Yeah, item I want to talk about though. the new ones. Yeah, well, mm -hmm. and, and I mean, Landry's torment is very interesting to me. But yeah, the two new ones coming out, um, Oblivion Orb. 
this is, is like a seems like a pretty atypical item because unless I'm misunderstanding, it doesn't actually build anything to anything. It's... Oh, it builds into Morello Oh, like okay, okay, okay. Yeah. My mistake. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, I was just looking at the actual Oblivion Ord thing in the in tooltip. Yeah, yeah. Say that, but and then Spellbinder coming out as well, which <laughs> is uh, something I know Jat is super excited about. Yeah. So uh, let's just start with Spellbinder. Yep. Because this is twenty eight hundred gold, one hundred AP, ten percent movement speed. And then I want a little bit more clarity of exactly how the passive works because nearby allied and enemy spellcasts charge up spellbinder. Mm -hmm. So is an enemy or allied spellcast count as one, count as five, count as ten? Like how quick? Does yeah. So each each spellcast counts as one. Uh, so it's a hundred spellcasts. Yeah. Um, right. And so the intention for this item is when you're fighting a lot, or you know when you're playing against people that, or playing with people that cast a lot of spells, uh, this thing is gonna be useful. And it's not gonna be so useful when you're you know, kind of split pushing the side lane. Get zone right. on your team. My, <laughs> my immediate thought when playing I saw Abraham. this item was Vladimir, Katarina, mm -hmm. literally any monolith assassin who wants to one-shot you. Yep. Like, I imagine that that happened in testing. Yep. Is it busted? Like, what are your read on this item release date? Um, generally speaking, I think Spellbinder fights pretty hard against the typical items that you would buy in that slot. For example, Gunblade or uh, Protobelt. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, uh, generally speaking, uh, I think I, I think it's relatively well balanced against those. Um, yeah. What about in combination with, right? You know, like yeah. when we're talking about like actual like assassination potential, you know, mm -hmm. to to Jad's point, like, you know, there's there the world in which this Katarina builds Gunblade Ludens or whatever yeah. and, and Spellbinder, right? Yeah. Is that like does it get to like the feeling like Rengar point where it's just like, oh I instantly die. Yeah, potentially potentially. Uh I think generally speaking for the item system, like we want to gate a lot of item purchases behind opportunity cost. It's like, mm -hmm. oh well, did your Vlad like not buy Zonya's? kind of thing or mm -hmm. did your Vlad not buy you know Leandris or whatever mm -hmm. um, is that or Banshees like is that a meaningful detraction from when you could have bought Spellbinder or yeah so I think generally speaking um, uh, yeah I, I hope it holds up uh, in terms of opportunity cost gating is, is mainly the one there but yeah I, I, I could see a world where you just stack a whole bunch of these like base damage increases and mm -hmm. then just go in and pop a dude um, but having said that, like Spellbinder has some internal gating mechanics on it. Like yeah. Vlad is not exactly the and best. And the Snowball Katarina can already do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've been one shot a time <laughs> right, or two. Right. Yeah, it does kind of seem cool, uh, depending on how in reality the charge up works and like yeah. how I'm long I'm imagining it takes. like clown car outside a turret, everyone just spamming circles, like spamming spells <laughs> yeah. in a circle sure, to sure, stack sure. up the item. Because yeah. I mean, what if it's a case where like it's so difficult to build up your Spellbinder that mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's cool to have these points where he can choose when to use this big power, but he's had to spend so much time, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. collecting his spirit bomb. Yeah. And when, if you shoot your spirit bomb. You gotta spend two episodes going, yeah. <laughs> if you spend, Basically. if it's that long around this outer turret or whatever, <laughs> they spend 10 minutes. Yeah. And then he like, he kills someone and I'm like over in a side lane far away from Baron and yeah. I'm like the support of something and I'm like, haha, you used your spellbinder to kill me, noob or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And and that's so much power gone. Then yeah. yeah, I don't actually have, funny. have a good idea of, of how long it takes for people to cast 100 spells around spells. me. Right? Yeah. Like, the only thing yeah. I, I have kind of comparable in my mind is I play a fair bit of Kassadin and Kassadin E, right? Like mm -hmm. people. It's like six. Uh, but exactly, that's six, right? And in lane, it's actually slow yeah. uh, a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. In team fights, I feel like I'm spamming that thing, but again, it's mm -hmm. six. It's not. Yeah. What's the range? The range, uh, the range is, is pretty generous. It's like 1,500. Okay. So um, generally speaking, we've had around 50 to 60 sacks per minute. So if you're, if you're like. 
you know, is that like in leaning phase or is no, 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 after, uh, after like in the kind of skirmishy. So theoretically, it has a minute cooldown, so you could be like expending it twice as often for like a like less punch or like Kobe said, charging up the spirit bomb for the big shot. Yeah, I think the interesting decision point about this item is like, hey, there are variable use cases for it, and it's like, oh well. I used it at 50 stacks and it wasn't like that impactful, but maybe I had to, I was That's forced to cool. use it to escape from a gank or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so, and it's like, oh, well, that actually cost them the spellbinder stacks mm-hmm. and you can yeah. feel good about like blowing that. I'm pretty actually interested in Leandris as well because yeah. I, mm-hmm. I always love playing like dot champions, damage yeah. over time type stuff, right? Uh, and and it's, it it's changed. It's, it's, yeah. it's Magic pen is decoupled. That's yeah. now an Oblivion Orb, which moves in mm-hmm. Realm Omicron, which is a Magic pen item. No Magic pen on Haunting Guys or Leandris. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it instead gives this. Uh, 2% increase in damage per second up to 10% until exiting combat. Yep. And uh, and that doesn't say champion combat, so I'm reading that as combat with minions. Uh, no, this is champion combat. Oh, yeah. okay. It, well. says, it says damaging champions. So, okay, yeah, 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 but until exiting combat. Um, generally, well, well Landry's was, a, was an interesting one. Um, generally speaking, it it usually hovers between a state of like being overpowered or being underpowered just because mm. flat pen is good against squishies and mm-hmm. the burn is good against tanks. So it's like if the item is at all tuned reasonably, it's good against everybody. And so you wouldn't really deviate from going Morello's This, this reads like, I want to blast tanks. Yeah. Especially with the, the passive got changed as well. Mm-hmm. 1% of targets maximum health per second, right. not current mm-hmm. health. Right. So one of the goals with this was to make it more focused and hope that it doesn't break on dot champions. So I think, I, I guess you Mordecai. guys have seen the Mordekaiser all mm-hmm. like one shot thing. Um, yeah. I mean, it's been nerfed like quite a bit since then, but uh, <laughs> I was yeah. also immediately concerned about like Malzahar, mm-hmm. uh, Singed versus tanks, Malzahar yep. versus tanks. These sorts of champions mm-hmm. who want to play that more like slower playstyle anyway, yep. and even even some like you know this is this is pretty random, but like some of the actual tanks using it as a damaging item, right? Like what about you know like a, a Mundo or whatever versus mm. tanks or something like that, or or even maybe like a Maokai or whatever, right? Like in a tank versus tank matchup. Uh, did you guys really do much testing for that, or do you guys think uh, it would actually be viable at all? Hmm. Uh, honestly, we didn't do that much testing on, like, Mundo or, yeah, like, yeah. Malachi Bangers, like, like, you know, but we did do um, some testing with, like, Fizz. Uh, Fizz top buys it, um, can buy it at, situationally against tanks, mm-hmm. and that has been pretty performant. I'm imagining we'd, we'd probably need to change... This, right? Yeah. I'd imagine we'd probably need to change the damage amp to not apply to all your damage and only apply to magic damage at some point mm-hmm. or even change the damage amp mm-hmm. like full stop uh, because of how well it stacks with sock shoes and the oblivion orb magic pen um, but those are like we kind of just want to drop it mainly because uh, the damage amp as it exists also amps the burn so it's like a more understandable hey this mm-hmm. effect is increasing over time yeah and real quick like how much time do you guys actually have to test this stuff right because there's normally like patch 8.3 mm. technically it's the same patch cycle as 8.4 right. as like testing resources yeah. so how many play test games can you really mm. play to get all this stuff in yeah I mean Isaac would know he was uh, on our star yeah. top lane playtest. I, I was I was on that team back like five or six years <laughs> oh, ago. Oh yeah, I know, and Zyri. I know there's a <laughs> yeah, lot of theory crafting and uh, a little bit of guesswork that goes into it, right? Yeah. So definitely, we have been doing a lot of theory crafting on this. Uh, we have done some amount of testing, but I mean, generally speaking, for test procedures, it's like, oh, do we want to do like destructive testing? Like, how much do we want to push? 
push these to like break them and how much do we want to like fine tune them for balance so that they land on on time because Mm -hmm. ultimately it's like oh well if you're doing destructive testing like you're not really going to get that good of a read if you're taking like suboptimal Mm -hmm. uses you know like mundo throwing cleavers and it's like well is that is that yeah it's like is that a valuable like use of testing resources plus there's like Mm -hmm. you know all these champions and champion updates in flight you know like um, so it's generally pretty hard on, on testing. And so a lot of it has to be done through spreadsheeting and being like, hey, you know, how much damage is mm-hmm. Leandri's doing compared to the old one? And Yeah, because Leandri seems like it would probably be fine a lot of the time in mid lane. Like most of the things that I'm thinking, oh my God, this could be really abusive is I'm just immediately thinking of all the top lane cases, right? Like yeah. even things like, like Mundo is obviously way out there, but like Singed is very popular and very high win rate. Teemo is very popular and, and yeah. very high win rate, right? Like those two champions can yeah. very like are already pretty strong in the tanks and like immediately thinking of, of things like that uh, being pretty rough to actually yeah. deal with in, in yeah. lane and really, maybe even like a Heimer, right? I really like that. Like what if Teemo takes his first item? Like, yeah. Did you spreadsheet that case at least or like... Um, we gen- yeah, generally, thanks. Yeah, yeah, generally the, the whole like pattern of the item has been shifted mm-hmm. pretty dramatically because previously the dot is not very effective against you when you're on low health and now it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a trade-off, it's not as effective at, at chipping. Yeah. And so it's like a fundamental like redesign of the item mm-hmm. almost. And so, I mean, honestly, it's, we did do whatever due diligence in terms of spreadsheeting, mm-hmm. um, but ultimately, one day's worth of live is mm-hmm. going to tell us more than you know testing this for a year, right? Yep. Like, um, I kind of like it just glancing at it, right? Yeah. As long as I personally walk over a mushroom, as you are the one abusing it, I'm not going to lose half of my life. Less health than before, but it will kill you easier if you're already low. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, the funnier moments are when you're low and you like you get one of those things, and then you actually die from it. Whereas it's really (laughs) frustrating if I'm full health, (laughs) yeah, and then I walk on something and. You know, I didn't die, but now I can't really now fight. You're, useless, right? you're like, oh well, yeah. that's boring. I don't get to play anymore. I think one of the one of the really well, I wouldn't say divisive, but one of the points that people brought up is just like, you know, if you get hit by a spell and you're on 400 health, like, do you expect to die off that if the spell mm. did like 200 damage and that can mm. strike a, a really weird like, oh, I escaped, but actually I didn't because I was just burning to death and that feels really bad. Mm-hmm. So kind of trying to weigh that against what I would call like focusing of the item because Mm -hmm. this has a more clear like, oh, it's actually understandable what it's doing. Like you just always will want to be considering it when people have high health. Like yeah, it's gonna be really interesting. Even even yeah. I'm thinking Kennen in competitive because Kennen yeah. is Kennen top is something that gets played in competitive still. Right. Uh, and something like this into tanks like seems really good mm-hmm. for Kennen, right? Who can mm-hmm. be auto, yeah. like even though he's auto attacky or whatever, mm-hmm. like seems pretty strong. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, ideally, you're only a lot to think about, which is actually like for me, uh, for myself, for reasons I think it's exciting yeah. because I like thinking about items and doing this stuff and figuring, oh, what's the best, you know, whatever. But it's fun for us. I. I feel for the pro teams Me a little too. bit right now yeah. with like the, especially back when I was a pro, like this is when Riot was still releasing champions every two weeks. It's like a new champion came out. I now have to play a bunch of this champion, understand this champion, know if it's good against. Cause if I don't, I run the risk of getting slammed by it. And if I just make a quick read that I think it sucks, then it's actually best to like not put any time into it yeah. and move on. So uh, I think this is where the regional pockets and the scrim pockets are going to all come to like a lot of different conclusions really early on. Yeah. I actually have the complete opposite uh, sentiment here. Like, you think I, it's super fun for the pros? I, well, I think, no, I, not that I, I don't feel sorry for the pros because I'm like, okay, well, they're playing all day, every day. You know, this is their job to play. I feel sorry for the people 
that don't play the game that much and they you know they just want to play with their friends or whatever they haven't read <laughs> you know go through all these patch notes and they didn't yeah. spend two hours theory crafting before they get into the game yeah. um, they just pop into the game and they're like whoa how do I play now I don't <laughs> yeah. even uh, know what's going on I mean we're hoping rec items pull some of that weight like yeah. um, and also one of the one of the intentions of putting ludens in the first slot is you have this understandable, like, one of the reasons why we didn't, for example, we could have changed Leandri's, like, icon and name and, you know, done all this, that, and the other thing, but generally speaking, we're like, oh, Morellas is still the Grievous Wounds item, mm -hmm. Andrews is still the Burn Max Health item, mm -hmm. it still does what it does, GLP still does what it what, what it does, and then we, like, updated all the rec items, so yeah, hopefully... It's not like Athenes and Abyssal floating yeah, and all yeah, that they're, stuff. They're, yeah, they're more that was, than, that was pretty confusing. Yeah, so right, Abyssal to Abyssal is, like, exactly. quite confusing, yeah. <laughs> the one I messed up the most is just when small all build path things were changed, like oh, yeah. health crystals to giant spells, mm -hmm. or like the armor, cloth armor doesn't build into the right one. Or, yeah. And yeah. then you're left with pieces and you don't get right. to like finish your sunfire or whatever. Uh, I hated that. When I, I built a giant it. spell and it was like, no, I'll complete my sun. Yeah. Now yeah. I have to build Dead Man's Plate. Yeah, That's like, not what I want. Yeah. <laughs> the pistol first got changes. I kept building a Negatron cloak yeah. and stuff like that. And then it's like, yeah. ah, oh shit, it doesn't uh, actually build into this anymore. Yeah. I know when I when I changed uh, Frost Queen's claim from uh, Amp Tone. Because it, it used to build out of a code, right? Thing. And we were like, "Yeah, we changed it to blasting one." Oh. And then my girlfriend's just like, "Wait, I bought this amp term, and now like I have <laughs> Yo, codes in my now. inventory." It's like, well, I guess I gotta get like you know, yeah. the random time to build a fiendish like, codec. Yeah, we're in bad. it. Uh, we gotta keep moving through yeah. the patch though. Trackers. Like, Tracker's knife. There's actually oh, yeah. so much stuff in this patch. Yeah, we probably won't cover all of it, but we're going to cover the things that jump out to us the most. There was a actually pretty big discussion on Reddit, at least, when this first kind of made it to PvE, but we say we're going to talk about Tracker's knife because it's gone. Yeah. You no longer have the smite upgrade that Done gives you two wards. You now just have challenging or chilling smite. Yeah. So my first reaction to this was um, if you wanted to remove vision, why don't you go after like zombie ward stuff mm -hmm. if this is targeted at pro play? Because if trackers is removed, my first thought was, okay, well, teams are going to offset that by having someone extra hold on to a warding uh, totem mm -hmm. or a trinket, excuse me. Yeah. Um, and that would basically, by removing a warding item, you actually remove a sweeper. So you're moving vision mm -hmm. removal, maybe if people uh, it can be hard to have way. the same people get out there, like on the map and everything though too, right? Yeah. Like because you can refill trackers. Like the amount of vision that some people are putting out. Like obviously it was zombie ward plus all this, but I'm, I just I'm hate zombie that, ward, so that's my personal <laughs> vendetta. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's like I, I hate zombie ward too because it's not fun. It's not it doesn't feel fun for me to use, but it's mm -hmm. also really good. So I'm like I should yeah. probably take it. Yeah, but I mean Smithy is the game I always think of where you play a game zero one zero hundred wards placed. <laughs> In the game, yeah, um, which is pretty insane. I mean, yeah, hitting on the hey, it's powerful but not fun to use is also one of the motivations for like removing mm -hmm. it, mainly mm -hmm. because hey, it's it's fine if we have you know a champion that's you know perma pick band in pro play if it's like aspirational for the player to to hit. Like I, yeah, I always sure. use I yeah oh, well yeah Riven. theoretically I always use Ezreal as, as an example because it's like it's hey, this is the this is the champ that's picked like a yeah. lot. People don't really complain about it that much when they're playing against it. But, you know, when Bang plays Ezreal and I'm in a game, I'm like, oh, man, I can be like Bang and I'll try and play Ezreal. And obviously I'll just like die to Robert at level one, you know, getting first blood in our Rumble finals. But like, <laughs> <there's> a... <laughs> but then we'll win anyway. But then we'll win anyway because Azale's playing, uh, you know, Malachi top. But like, uh, you know, those, those kinds of aspirational yeah. things that do carry power and are powerful yeah. are, uh, in my opinion, better than right. the non 
aspirational things that are very powerful and not very satisfying. Aspire yeah. to zombie war. I, yeah. I think it definitely does uh, change a little bit by the person because I know I was talking with some of the other other caches and I even think this personally. Like I take Tracker's Knife 95% of the time in solo queue. Yeah. And it is aspirational for Red's me to get a jungle knife. You wussy. I am the ward. Yeah. I'm a I ward with. the raptors. I, I ward the enemy red buff. And then I leave that jungle and my bot side is okay. Yeah. Because they're not going to get ganked. But they're not going to watch the mini map. No. They're going to die anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, like It's kind of funny, but um, I guess there's the couple of champions where even solo queue people would build Tracker's Knife. Like they're not either. many. It's like Nunu and Sejuani or something like that. You Lee know? These tanks. I feel like those are the only people that are going to be like... Ah, dang. Pretty much everybody else is like, great. Now yeah. I have my excuse. I'm buying red every single time. Mm -hmm. Kobe, have you seen Uncle Jamal's AP News? I Jungle? played against him, and he okay. He doesn't go trackers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wait, his you know what? Were you talking AP about? AP Nunu. Oh, no, no, no. I played against his Renekton jungle. I thought oh, you were talking okay. about Sorry, that. Sorry. That's <laughs> what he's not. Yeah, this is an aside, Man, but Uncle Jamal is like this. I feel like he's a troll, but he's really good at the game because he plays jungle Renekton. He plays AP Jungle Nunu with Challenging Smite and Predator. Yeah, yeah. And Blared. he'll go like Runic Echoes, Leandries, which he's going to have to change his build because he needs Magic Pen now. He's going to have to go <laughs> Morel and Omicron mm. or Oblivion Orb. But he literally predators up to you, ease you, flashes and smacks you. And it takes 85% <laughs> of your health if you're a squishy. Yeah. That's, I, that's I have played against a Rageblade building Nunu. who okay. did a very similar <laughs> thing. It, was, it wasn't the burst mm. you're talking about, but he was patting me on the back real fast. Yeah. Yeah. He's not building Rage Tracker's Blade. Knife. This is more aspirational for yeah. Nunu. Very aspirational. Very okay, sorry, Nunu. we can get back to Tracker's Knife now. But yeah, I, I think generally speaking, like, if... If you are killing the enemy jungler or like spending a lot of time in the enemy jungle as the jungler mm -hmm. and you manage to spot them out, like, I mean, that can be equivalent to like having vision in a lot of cases, right? So, so this is a right endorsed battle ward jungler should <laughs> all look yeah, at right. That's right. Get Perfect. in there. But um, I mean, is there no way for war junglers to, to play the vision game? anymore like is that just something trinket. that we don't pink ward like, and trinket right and your zombie ward right? yeah. we, we've, <laughs> we have essentially right gone in six months from junglers having the option between tracker's knife and sightstone like yep. if we still had a buildable sightstone guaranteed we're gonna ha see chilling smite challenging smite sightstone junglers right just because of how important it is but like it's gone now i think generally speaking we would entertain the idea of having a supportive um jungle enchant uh like you know kind of tracker's replacement mm -hmm. at some point uh, obviously, in this case, we just removed it because we don't have the time to, you know, like mm -hmm. spin that up and make it. And I think, generally speaking, we've shied away more from, hey, this way you're playing the vision game is literally putting down a ward, um, mainly because, mm -hmm. you know, there are more exciting ways and satisfying mm -hmm. ways to give vision that also offers some, like, good amount of play to the opponent. Like, honestly, like, when you put down your tracker's ward... Um, and then the, the person like comes in and sweeps it or whatever, uh, that's often enough to like, you know, repel their ganks for the next like two, three minutes, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're like, oh, well, I know where they're going to path after that. Four and a half minutes thing. with right. zombie ward. Yeah, sure, exactly, right. And it's like, oh, um, having said that, it's like, yeah, zombie ward, I guess, like, we're not particularly happy well, with either. But it's like, definitely multiplicative because yeah. if you, you had tracker's knife and zombie ward before, yeah. mm -hmm. right. so you have more wards to place, they pop up more, mm -hmm. yeah, that sort of thing. I mean, this one to me, I'm less concerned about solo queue and more concerned about pro play, like the changes, and uh, or think it's at least going to be a bigger impact. And, and I totally get the frustration of you know players like you, Jat, and I know Zyrene is a really big mm -hmm. uh, proponent of Tracker's Knife because he plays 
like almost only Sejuani. It feels like I think. He like plays, he play- uh, I saw him playing Camille Jungle. On oh, that's Xi. true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he does play some other things. You better he, not be building trackers on them. Well, <laughs> he, he he. I mean, from when he, talking to him, he loves building trackers, regardless, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that's his style. He feels like uh, you know he's maybe not as mechanically strong as some of these other players, but he's high diamond, and he feels like he does it because he controls vision on the map and yep. these sorts of things. And it's frustrating for those players, but most people do not do that. It's like mm-hmm. a, a tiny fraction of players in Soloki who want to do that. But in pro play, it's a di- it's a different beast yeah. because in pro play, whether they want to do it or not, you're going to buy a tracker snipe and you're going to be happy about it. You're right. gonna, you know, you're going to suck it up. Otherwise, you're going to get uh, fired. Don't but, you buying it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and, and it's interesting because, you know, you said uh, feedback was pretty split. Some of the people uh, are going to be like very, very happy about it. Some of them are mm-hmm. going to be frustrated about it. But either way, it's a big change, right? And how mm-hmm. much, I- I'm kind of curious, do you guys think it will actually change pro play? And in which way? Because I've heard very different sides of it. I've heard people saying, oh, it's going to make people play even more passively because they won't have the information to do stuff. And then yeah. other people are like, well, no, of course you have to mm-hmm. invade with the red smite and kill mm-hmm. them. Yeah. No, I, I suddenly think like there are incentives to play aggressively, like trading. If, if, if you just concede everything, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, it's too risky to to do anything like that's just going to be exploited by players that play aggressively right like fake is going to you know kind of play aggressively evade the ganks Mm -hmm. like because of his instinct and i think like instinct and heuristics are things that you know we haven't really been leaning on very much in terms of adding so much vision to the game it's like oh well you only make a play because you Mm -hmm. have like complete information and i think Mm -hmm. one of the beauties of this game is that you often have asymmetric information and you have to make the best play out of out of what you know or what, yeah. what you can intuit, right? I definitely like that. Uh, and I think that if there are less wards, because there's going to be less vision now, then it does kind of, it's going to change matchups, you know, people's choices for matchups for laning a lot too, mm-hmm. but I think it will also encourage, uh, you know, more of the possibilities for those early game playmaking junglers. Yep. And for them to, for this role to get out of the, uh, whatever you want to call it, for your second support or whatever, of playing mostly tank champions and um, playing down wards, you know, I, I feel like this will at least introduce some more versatility. Yeah. I think generally speaking, in terms of, like, strategies, it's like, oh, let's say you picked, you know, Darius top, right, and he's, like, auto-pushing, and it's like, oh, well, yeah, the first auto-move for the enemy is to, you know, bring their jungler to gank him, right? And then mm-hmm. your response to that is, like, oh, maybe, uh-huh. maybe already here I have the counter gank, yeah. right? And then, yeah. you know, like, the counter to that is, like, maybe I have the, you know, the Galio TP behind or whatever, you know, like, these yeah. kinds of things. And it's like, I think those kinds of plays, like, will still exist in responses. And I do kind of like that argument. I mean... Uh, I am always curious about how dark or how bright the map should be uh, because I played in like really early beta when wards didn't exist and you had nothing but like brush all over the map (laughs) and that was clearly not enough vision, right? Because people didn't even lane and you just have four people showing up in the bottom lane (laughs) at a moment's notice and you'd be dead and there was actually, there was nothing you could intuit about that gank. It's like he's missing from mid lane, I have nothing to do. But now it's like, uh, and I think this is where control wards potentially kind of moved in the right direction where, okay, this is the limit of clearable vision you can have. Yep. We, th- we thought, right? Yep. But then I feel like when stuff like uh, Sweeper gets into it or the fact that you're buying like three control wards and constantly moving it around or even having Duskblade, like there is a level of too much blackout. And I do feel like vision definitely power creeped with Zombie Ward mm. uh, in the fact that like the map is hacked again. Yep. But we hacked the map and didn't give 
uh, power creep levels of vision clearing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because if we still had Oracle's elixir, uh, like we did back in 2013, where you just pop a potion that cost a bunch of gold, run around and clear everything, Mm. uh, Right, it would be balanced, even if that's not ideal with sure. how much time. It's OP versus I, OP. I don't like an right. arms race of placing and clearing wards, though, because then I you're spending your much. whole time chopping wards down. Yeah. So, well, and, and his point is just that the yeah. the, ar- the arms race was one sided, right? It's yeah. like yeah. the war the wards <laughs> exactly. dominated the vision control. The vision right. control country is now yeah. lost because even though we have caps oh, on warding, yeah, exactly, <laughs> slaves to the trackers. Then <laughs> we have caps on warding. Uh, zombie ward uh, violates the cap. Uh, blue wards violate the cap, right? And the vision and also like even the Squires Bloom or whatever violates that vision game a little bit. Yep. So I am I am fully on board right now with making players into it a yep. little bit more because I yep. know from talking with enough players and coaches that when there is enough vision, the only way you coach them to play and the way you learn to play is making plays around vision. Yep. And I I love watching the best players that are super good and accurate at guessing based yeah. on, I saw this guy here 45 seconds ago. He didn't show up here. He should be here. Let's play around and, that. And make timings matter again, right? And sure, it does somewhat in solo queue as far as, you know, okay, maybe he could be top at three minutes, so I got to like, ward at mm-hmm. 250 or whatever, right? Like, these things matter a little, but it feels like it has moved so far away from that in pro play to just ward literally everything always and always mm-hmm. see the jungler. And actually, the... Uh, the thing that really hammered it home so much for me was uh, one of the blame games that Mark did recently. I was mm-hmm. I was watching it. And I think it was a really good one. Um, and it was talking about Acadian and some of the blame that he had gotten for essentially like not creating early pressure or whatever it was. But yeah. it tracks the mini map. He's playing Kha'Zix, where he is on the map for however many minutes, 10, 15 minutes. He's basically always on a ward for like 15 minutes straight mm-hmm. in his own jungle. Yeah. Like every camp is essentially awarded. Jungle goes in topside, tracker's knives, two camps. Then they see him up there. So then the support and mm-hmm. bot lane goes in bottom side, pre-wards his bottom side camps. You know, like there's this back and forth where they always know where he is. So they always know that's safe to invade and ward. Right. And it just snowballs it because there's not even like the threat of, oh, if I go in there, maybe the cause will kill me and that's because a, they already know where he is. That's an invisible champion, right? He, yeah. He's, he's <laughs> one who has an ultimate where he's not invisible <laughs> enough. <laughs> like, like, invisible. You're like, God damn it. Kobe's like, hmm. I can transition mm. this in some yeah. requests for Kazakh's posts. <laughs> yeah. Did we campaign hard enough against Zombie Horde? <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually want to move us along to top lane because that is yeah, going right. to be one of the lanes. Actually, that's the lane. I'm just going to say that's the lane that will feel, uh, you know, vision changes the most yeah. to me because it's one of the long lanes. Mm-hmm. You're by yourself. They're always complaining about junglers, whether they're up there or not up there. Yep. Seems like you can't win with the top laners. Um, but you guys did a bunch There's of a whole top lane changes. You can win with top laner. All you have to do is always come my lane, only ward for my lane, yeah. never take my CS, always and give me all game. the kills. Yeah. Also, always counter game. Yeah. Yeah. And get me Rift Herald. That's true. And then, <laughs> then you've won. But yeah, there's Darius, Gangplank, Gnar, Orn, Poppy, Renekton, Jax, Frozen Mallet, and a Press the Attack change all in this patch for and, top lane. And yep. this, like, to, you know, we had, I had touched on a little bit earlier as far as, like, actual top lane presence when you're looking at the champions that are actually picked the most. Uh, it's a little bit different with the presence, but Gnar, 290 picks. GP, 233 picks. Orn, 187 picks. Uh, then the next highest is, is like Vlad and, and Camille at 129, 111, and then it drops way off from there, right? So uh, immediately these champions that are, are getting hit are all some of the highest presence ones, which will, if not like opening up different diversity, like, you know, strategic diversity, it will at least open up different champions and there will be like a time of of kind of changing things around. Yeah. I mean, generally speaking for top lane, we want, in general, I, I would say like two main things. One, we want the, the play in the lane to be good and mm-hmm. high quality. It shouldn't be like, hey, Orin, just press W and like negated literally everything that I did. Mm-hmm. And we also want like 
you know, diversity of strategy. Like we want to see Camille and we want to see Nar and we also want to see tanks like Maokai and we want to mm. see some, you know, Scion picks or, you know, various poke lanes or some juggernauts to kill tanks and things like that. So, um, yeah, ultimately this patch is about kind of empowering those those types of champions. So Renekton, mm. obviously getting press the attack buff. Press the attack is more selfish on this patch. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You Because of the way that the damage amp works, uh, you're going to proc it in bot lane, get the 12% damage amp at level one, and your Leona's just going to blossom, you know? And so by reducing the amount of percent that you get at early levels, mm -hmm. um, it can make it better for Renekton, and we can add mm -hmm. some more power into the... Uh, yeah, I like the change. Buff. It makes it... Yeah. More for uh, you know top laners or junglers or whatever whoever mm -hmm. wants to to use it more selfishly <clears throat> than mm -hmm. the the damage amp and it still kind of gets there for the team. Yeah, uh, and I know that last time we talked about top lane, that was one of the things was like, where's mm -hmm. our fervor replacement? Yeah, uh, and mm -hmm. a lot of people were um, complaining about that. I also like the shout out to a Shin Shin change here with the Jax <laughs> Counter Strike right um, through the Counter Strike. So, yeah, Kobe, you it will no I, longer so go. The right? reason <laughs> it will no longer go. Right this 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 actually made me happy to see because the reason I was like, oh, he activated Counter Strike late is because I've been so used to it having this wind up wind up time mm -hmm. that I was like, yes, you know, it has to like be going already, and that's yeah. how I thought the skill was supposed mm -hmm. to work mm -hmm. or whatever. I mean, yeah. even though the visual thing was up, I was I had always like, just like thought like, of oh, that as a delay. thing. Yeah, um, but. But I like that it has <laughs> actually been fixed here. And I have had Hashinshin on my friends list for like five years or whatever since season one. So I want to um, message him. And, Did he and, complain to you? And congratulate him. No, I haven't, I haven't talked to him. Congratulate him on <laughs> Congratulations. I, I, haven't, I haven't talked to him. In Congratulations. A, it can never again go right yeah. through the <laughs> But I, I, no, I, I haven't messaged him in a long time. He Actually, I'm not sure if he's still on there because I changed okay. my name a lot. Right. I'm and pretty sure, I'm pretty sure he is, but like a lot of people have randomly removed me because yeah. I made my name like Kobe weird, is friends with weird potato and stuff Top like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, generally speaking, we're pretty inconsistent about, like, cast times and, like, actually... Mm -hmm. um, the I visual think, matching up. Yeah, I think, generally speaking, we want... Why? Why is that? Um, honestly, it's just legacy. Like, it's pretty difficult to go through and, and change everything and make it consistent. Like, there's a lot of animation work that needs to be done. Like, generally, when you press a button, like, you should have mm -hmm. this immediate animation response. You should have some noise, yeah. visual cue, audio cue, and it's, like, very... Uh, I, I would say it's very time-consuming to go through and, and yeah. fix all of those, and there are higher-value things that we could be doing. Yeah, I, think. I remember there was a few stuff like that back when I was working on yeah. the game. Like, uh, for instance, almost every spell in the game has a quarter-second like cast time, mm -hmm. except then there's randomly a few spells that have a 0.15-second cast time, yeah. like Morgana's Dark Binding and sure. uh, Lux's Light Binding. And it's like, well, sure, we could change it, but now we're fundamentally changing the feel of Morgana's binding, and it yeah. should be a responsive spell. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's actually good that it's that way, but it's different. And then you have a character like Cho'Gath, who actually has half-second cast times on a lot of his spells. Yeah. But it's because he's the giant dinosaur. Like, it yeah. feels like Cho'Gath. <laughs> if he's snapping <laughs> around the these manic. spells, yeah. right, feeling like Camille, it's actually bad for the game. <laughs> yeah. So some of it is kind of champion-specific right. to make them feel like they're supposed to. Right. The the GP and uh, and NAR changes I think are actually pretty interesting to me because those champions have become so universal in pro play, um, and also specifically for NAR because Frozen Mallet the slow got nerfed for range champions by ten percent so that's like core item getting nerfed 
and he's not getting uh, the scaling like return on, on cooldown from his ultimate. So basically how it was before is as you ranked up your ultimate, you got more cooldown reduction when you caught your boomerang uh, for every rank up and he no longer gets that. So I believe it stays at a, at a flat 40 now mm -hmm. instead of going up to what, 65, yeah, 60. 66, something like that. So those two changes seem pretty big and and mana ones, I think a lot of people read and don't think they're a big deal, but GP's level one Q going from 40 mana to 60 or 65 mm -hmm. uh, is actually pretty insane to me uh, because there is so much more of like a world in which you're actually just going to go um now in lane and, and be forced to take bad backs, which base timing is so incredibly important in top lane, especially in a world in which you have less vision, you can the wave can get stacked and you can get dove, these sorts of things. Like if you cannot base on a sheen and, and that sort of stuff, it, it starts to feel pretty scary. Um, so like that actually, I think affects the power of those champions a lot, and, and even maybe the build pass, right? Like you, maybe mana flow band is actually a must-have now. Yeah, I actually really like this uh, gangplank nerf a lot because um, he still has p the possibility of that late game power, mm -hmm. right? But the one of the, one of the most frustrating things for me is, especially in solo queue, if you're like, oh. I got a you know top lane autofill or something, and the enemy picks gangplank. Mm -hmm. I would dodge that game every <laughs> single time because yeah. there's scale for free. There's zero way that my top laner, who, if they're not like an expert in Camille or some or Nar or something like that, is going to punish them early, and he's all guaranteed going to outscale, and then he's going to be yeah. you know team wiping. And us. even even with the the Nar thing, like people have, have found out these builds, you know, with with starting yeah. uh, resolve secondary relic shield with the three pot, we're seeing some of the best GPS actually just go. Even in pro play, so with everyone's now. blind picking him. Yes, yeah. there's like I'm going to outscale you. Yep. Yeah. And and it, and if you are that solo queue guy who's who's playing, you know, there's certain matchups where it's like there's even if you are an expert, you actually don't get to do anything. He just so presses bad. Q on you on cooldown, farms gold sure. off you. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually pretty excited about this because mana being a resource that you can actually attack uh, feels pretty impactful. Um, and definitely there are, especially in combination with some of the, you know, aggressive champions being buffed when I think of like a Renekton being buffed, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, press the attack being buffed, like that mm -hmm. feels like, Hey, there's more opportunities to actually all in and punish this guy in the early stages. Or even if you can't kill him, well, he should be behind enough gold that his passive doesn't just like, Hey, he's down 20 CS, but he's up gold. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, I had a question. Uh, how familiar are you with the Callista changes? Uh, pretty familiar. I'm, I'm a little curious on this champion because this champion uh, has been a menace for competitive to balance. Like, exactly. it's either 100% pick ban or not. Um, also, I know design is really hesitant to change attack range. Mm. Um, and this champion's already weird. Like, she already only does 90% of her attack damage on auto attacks because, like, the rend is, you know, the full damage ability. Yep. Now the attack range is shortened by 25 from 555, mm -hmm. 25. The base attack damage down, base attack speed is up, and then more base attack speed growth. But the Sentinel now gives attack damage, yeah. which, remember, isn't fully effective on auto attacks. Like, what are the goals of this change in particular to, like, get her to into a balanceable state, it feels like? Yeah, so the first... So, actually, for Callista, um, I started doing this, and then uh, I was, like, switch, switching over to AP. And the first thing... Well... The first thing I, I was trying out was like knock-up duration on the ult, mm -hmm. uh, something that pros use readily more. We found that that, you know, kind of biased her away from taking, you know, Namis and Janus. Like Namis and Janus wouldn't want to throw themselves in when they only knock up for like 0.5 seconds because <laughs> then they'll just instantly die kind of thing. And so we, yeah, we pretty much uh, tried exploring attack range at that point, mm -hmm. uh, mainly because her lane is very safe and um, very strong uh, in a lot of cases, and especially with the, you know, like the rend, harass for free um 
kind of mana refund that you get right. when you stack the creep and then you hit them. And so we were like, oh, how can we introduce a weakness rather than just like making her we making her Weaker. like you know weak, right? Yeah. And so it's like, oh well, actually maybe you know when spell thief supports or when you know all the sorcery ads were in in vogue, it was like, mm -hmm. oh, Callista didn't see as much play, right? Like in LCK or Casper Cup, that was the patch when it was going on. So we're like, mm -hmm. oh, maybe we can open her up to more you know pokey kind of attrition lanes, um, and that would be a meaningful weakness for her. Okay. Um, with regards to the W. Uh, we found that when we did all of these changes together, there was not really much incentive to take her in bot lane, and we saw solo lane Callista actually having a lot of success, and we're like, ooh, uh, not sure about that one. Like, her lane is very, very strong mm -hmm. uh, when you are getting those, um, you know, free rends, and, you know, like, Lucian mid, obviously, is uh, like, I know for similar. a fact Huni has played uh, even way before us, like, last year, yeah. lots yeah. of Callista top by himself. Exactly. Man, like, yeah, you bind Udi. It's another way to be so like, no, hey, <laughs> come gank from me. Come over. I actually remembered, this is a while ago, we actually used to do uh, a strategy when we were playing Flexio on playtest with Matthias. Yeah. It was a Skarner, a Skarner mm, yeah, guy, you just right? And we'd guy, actually yeah. just like sacrifice the lane a little bit right. to have this level six gank where Skarner <laughs> comes down and he's linked with Callista. Yeah. And we got kill with it like 100% of the yeah, time. It was no. actually hilarious. Yeah. So, so yeah, we, we were mainly worried about that. And also, mm -hmm. it's kind of a thematic fit for her, like, she has her soulbound, you know, thing, and so playing that up, but not having it be, you know, this very jarring. Hey, I have attack speed, and now I can last hit properly, and then now I don't have attack speed, and it feels really weird. So we chose AD instead. And yeah. cool, yeah. We'll see. Uh, we'll see, kind of, if it works. Yeah, right? I know Coast is always a nightmare. One yeah. person who's also been a big nightmare is Zoe. Mm. Uh, there's been a few. A few complaints here and uh, there, here and there about Zoe, uh, whether or not, right, like her skill matters, mm -hmm. whether or not she's good for the game. How is it not just old Nidalee? But she got nerfed suddenly uh, <laughs> hard. I, I think like I don't necessarily even need to go into the nurse because so many things got hit. Yeah, uh, and I almost feel like the champion is dead. I'd like to know your opinion. Like, mm -hmm. I guess why do you think the balance team decided to hit Zoe now mm -hmm. as opposed to like a month ago? Yeah. And why these nerfs? So generally speaking, one thing that we like with new champions is the period of time where they sit and players get to innovate against them or innovate mm -hmm. with them, right? Mm -hmm. um, you see this a lot in fighting games where it's like, you know, they just have the one game, they ship it in the box, it's on release, it never gets patched, and it's like, oh, okay, well, do they find counters to Fox in SSB melee, right? Mm -hmm. Do people find counters to Zoe? Like, is Malzahar, like, good against Zoe? Or is, you know, like, can Galia weather her poke? Or, mm -hmm. you know, are there champs that you can pick, like LeBlanc or Fizz, that can, mm -hmm. you know, be good to gank her, right? And so, kind of the approach we took with Zoe balance is like, yes, okay, obviously there are some things that are, like, very frustrating about the character, but at the same time, we want to be able to chip away at the things that we think aren't sustainable for the character long term, uh, mainly, like, you know, things like QQR or, like, her early wave shove. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, the 0.25 second meme, but, like, uh, you know, we did increase the cooldown by one second, which is pretty significant at early, early yeah. levels, and that was actually a pretty sizable nerf um, in terms of the metrics, uh, even though it didn't seem like it. Mm -hmm. And so, ultimately, it's like, you know, we want players to innovate, we want players to discover more forms of counterplay because, you know, kind of if we restrict League to just being counterplay of, you know, dodge the circle or dodge the whatever, like... Right. It's a very and do you feel like game. that happened with Zoe here? Like, because it feels like the time is up and now just yeah. a bunch of nerfs hit. I think ultimately we're like, hey, um, now is the time. Like, we've kind of had enough of, 
you know, seeing all these, you know, front page Reddit, um, you know, so one saying we were just not smart enough <laughs> to come up with counters to Zoe. Well, it's more like times up, you know, <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> the players are too dumb. <laughs> I mean, maybe the like, I mean, we're not geniuses, right? Like, I mean, like, mm-hmm. I, I would say, like, generally as a design department, we're pretty smart, right? But like, you know, we can't really be like, hey, this is gonna be, you know, the counter, and players are eventually gonna figure it out. Like, players are teaching us as well, right? And so it's like, you know, if you play against Thresh, and it's like, oh, Thresh Lantern is unbeatable, but then somehow you take like Alistar and you can like combo while the mm-hmm. dude is traveling back. That's like a form of counterplay that, you know, mm-hmm. no one's ever seen before, right? And it's yeah. like, maybe we could see that with Zoe. Maybe the blocking gameplay of the E into, you know, yeah. whatever. You're thinking maybe that would become yeah. a thing where you can block it and people so, do it consistently. Yeah. Where's, where's the lever though, as far as like, you know, room for for developing this counterplay and room for there to be, you know, like balance versus frustration, right? Mm-hmm. Like one of the examples, like I was really liked playing Tom Kench, yeah. right? Um, and I remember this was this was probably two years ago now or something. Tom Kench got like this huge round of nerfs and was literally sitting as the lowest win rate champion in every role that he played, and he was still the second most banned champion in the game, right? And that to me told like taught me one thing that players care like care more about how annoying something is than how strong something is right and as a design team like how much responsibility do you guys do you think that you guys have to actually keep that in mind because people are literally hurting their chances to win the game by banning Tom Kench but they're like I would rather lose than than see Tom Kench eaten out of my CC and I I feel like it's the same way against Zoe because for me my experience is playing against Zoe was not even that I was losing. It was more that I was so annoyed. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, okay, great. I felt like I could play Cassidy and beat her in the 1v1. I felt like I could play Malzahar and beat her in the 1v1. Uh, I felt like I could dodge 99% of the cues. <laughs> but then that one hits yeah. you, and you get one shot, and you're like, I don't want to play anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, suddenly, like, I think some champs, like, get to the point where... Hey, like if you have a fifteen and over Katarina, it's like okay, well she instantly kills you, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, we can allow for that, right? Like uh, if yeah. that only if happens, I'm like one percent, I of the better game, be able to at least instantly kill one person. Exactly, <laughs> um, multiple. I mean, I think the problem with Zoe is that uh, her kit, as as we balanced it, was very mm-hmm. focused into the all your powers in the one shot, and so if all the powers in the one shot, then it's like well, obviously you're gonna get one, one shot sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a more sustainable thing for if if players um if we want to uh you know kind of alleviate player frustrations in that case it's like hey give her you know more power in the things that are less you know frustrating to play against uh, but can still make her powerful and is satisfying like yeah. there are a lot of things that we can improve on zoe's kit in terms of hey this is a fun satisfying portion of the kit that doesn't necessarily need to be one shot yeah i think it's uh, a funny story i have here about darius because uh, certainly T, the designer of Zoe, his first champion was Darius. Uh, it was also the first champion that I, like, balanced back when they did a different system of, mm. like, having a, a balanced dude and the designer dude, and then yeah. you fought over what was OP and what wasn't. Yeah. Um, and when we released Darius, he, like, never went over, like, 51% win rate, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he was actually, quote, balanced <laughs> when he released. But the way we did it uh, is he was basically all about his resetting ultimate. Yeah. Right. So when he won, it was because he had 35 kills. Yeah. Right. Because sure. he, and when he <laughs> lost, he was useless and people didn't remember those, but they just remember the like 30 kill games. Yeah. So I feel like perception wise, he was one of the like most busted champions possible when he released. Mm. And I think that was just an example of like knowing what you're going to bounce around and needing to recalibrate afterwards. Because exactly. Darius clearly needed some power in his other abilities so his baseline was better and he didn't need to be about all these super extreme high moments yeah. and like we learned that later as it goes on and it is definitely something that happens uh, 
with champs, and yep. I'm also glad that Zoe is nerfed now. Yeah, I think I just want to. <laughs> yeah, I want to two one, two summer one right. last champion to discuss here in in parallel with Zoe because Rengar is getting renerfed. All right, excuse me, reverted, Re- re-nerfed. not renerfed, actually unreworked. Um, yeah, uh, back to the original queue, which I've talked to a lot of the challenger like one trick Rangars um, to you know have them give me advice so I can use when he comes back out. But um, basically, the only question I have is: Is Rangar going to be able to one shot again with the like? Uh, Q, double Q, you know, empowered Q combo. I can one-shot now. Um, like, yeah, yeah. This is literally, like, the only question that Rengar cares about. Is like, can I jump in and one-shot people? Yeah. Um, whether it's with, mm-hmm. you know, the Tiamat reset combo. There, are, mm-hmm. there have been many different variations of the one-shot combos. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, can I do that? And what is the combo now? I guess. I guess. <laughs> I guess it depends on what you constitute as one shot, right? Like, uh, if I jump in with my ult and I can kill them within like, if I jump in and I go like this, do I kill them all when I press all my buttons? Two, I mean, two empowered cues, I think, usually does it. I think yeah. You, if, you can Tiamat reset. You can throw the E. Yeah, I mean, suddenly if you get two empowered cues, um, one thing that August did with Rengar is uh, he lo- he wanted to load more power, like. I think the Rengar rework did a lot of good things in terms of, hey, you now have this closest target gameplay. You now have, mm. um, you know, more variance in terms of which ferocity ability you want to cast. Uh, one thing he did put on here was the um, the flat shred, um, and so this is kind of biasing more towards, hey, you your follow up cues are more impactful than the one that you actually jump out with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would expect his time to kill to be still very short. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, there is some response to it. So, yeah, yeah I think you certainly can one-shot. And I think on live, like, Rengar can one-shot um, as well. Uh, pretty you definitely can. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, yeah, like I got one-shot by Rengar yesterday, right? But it's like... <laughs> but, like, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think ultimately it's like, oh, does this feel better for the Rengar player? And I think in terms of yeah. time to kill, it would be relatively Well, also similar. feeling about the same for playing against. I think exactly, that's kind of the right. goal, right? Like, yeah. if Rengar's going to be Rengar, you may as well have the Rengars mm-hmm. being happy. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. If you're going to die yeah. in a one-shot, it's like, yeah. Uh, for all the ones happy. I talked to, like, uh, playing on beta, they they were pretty happy with yeah. the rework. So, yeah. good uh, job, I guess. Yeah. Cool. For their side. <laughs> Thanks for sticking around so long. I do want to move on to some Twitter questions that are patch-related, so we Ooh, can all answer nice. it. Uh, Office Maxwell says, will the Darius buffs mean anything for him in pro play? And if not, in what scenario would Darius be playable in pros? Hashtag Dunkmaster mm-hmm. for life. So the Darius buffs are obviously the press the attack change, but what you guys know, also... Dar- would Darius take press or yeah, would he take grasp? Or... Uh, yeah, Gr- I mean... Grasp, in my opinion, was better uh, on, on live. Yeah, but... his uh, crippling strike is re- reduced in cooldown at early ranks. It also scales better with total attack damage. And then his apprehend has more armor penetration, 5% more at all ranks. Mm-hmm. Do I think I don't think it really changes it unless like unless something to do with the vision allows you to play more aggressive lanes like unless there's actually a, more of a meta shift because I do think the like Darius had some pretty abusive matchups into tanks but we weren't seeing like uh, I don't know you you have to it's one of those champions that you have to play very aggressively I feel like which exposes you to jungle pressure and yeah. in pro play when people are coordinated enough they can punish that and shut down Darius and Darius from behind is pretty trash mm-hmm. so. Yeah. I think that's the thing that that is still up in the air. Uh, the only the the more likely change I think that I could push him in is okay if there's not as much vision and you can like maybe camp this person and dive them and do counter ganks and this sort of thing and play more heavily around that lane. Mm-hmm. I feel like the vision changes are more likely to put him in pro play than the actual champion changes. Yeah, I would agree in terms of like, hey, uh, Darius with 
his good matchups into tanks because archetypically he's a juggernaut, right? Mm. And juggernauts are generally good, pretty good into tanks. Um, yeah, if if you are committed to playing your jungler around topside, like I could see it definitely working. But as it is, his damage is also pretty unreliable, and he yeah. team fights pretty poorly. So it's mm -hmm. like I would, I would imagine it's it doesn't push change also much. Isn't even but, that good. Yeah. So it's like the payoff seems pretty low in pro play. Yeah, I would I, imagine it doesn't. I do much. find. Uh, one random thing about Darius. Did you guys see the UFC fighter who made gold last night <laughs> yeah. on Reddit? And he's yep. like a Darius main. Mm -hmm. I thought it was so funny how he's a Darius main, professional MMA fighter, and then also that documentary they made fight with oh, the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was also a Darius main. Mm, so yeah. as far as delivering on the thematic of like strong dude who fights people, what champion will they play in game? He's so clearly Darius. That's true. Yeah. All right. Next order question. This is probably the final one. Uh, unless you have something to add on Darius Kobe. All right, can someone please explain to me, this is from at partial change, can someone please explain to me what a full tank Jax brings to the team? Seems like he should be almost ignorable without at least one damage item. Most likely Trinity Force. He yep. brings Tracker's Knife. I, I'm <laughs> he did. I'm definitely <laughs> against the full tank Jax. I, I, I feel like you have to have Trinity Force to, ha to at least have the threat that the champion is kind of built around. Mm -hmm. um, but I can see if you're getting super blasted in a game and all you're going to do is die anyway, then... Yep. Uh, you know, go full tank. Yeah, I mean, Jax is a champ that lives and dies by his base damages, essentially. Like, yep. his ult base damage for his, you know, repetitive uptime damage is pretty high, and he gets, like, ridiculously tanky with his E and uh, ult. Mm -hmm. I would say, like, he generally does take press the attack, right, for when he's played in jungle, mm -hmm. even though he goes, like, Cinder Hulk. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I can't imagine, like, hey, you took, like, Aftershock Jax or whatever, and it would be very good um but yeah press the attack i think also contributes a lot in terms yeah. of like team damage amps so i think that the tank jacks is a fallback pattern yeah never the goal exactly like even in pro play you're yeah. you're trying to build a training force if you fall behind you're just going to go full tank anyway because you still want to be a stun bot but that's pretty much how i see it and i mean i'd even say as much as, uh, as i was making a joke about the trackers and i think that's actually kind of why people were building full tank jacks like yeah. even seeing dardock and guys like that talking about twitter they're like Kind of joking about, oh, players are talking about how little damage the Jax did. It's completely irrelevant because, you know, he's saying, as a jungler, <laughs> your a goal is to build HP and ward everywhere, right? Yeah. And so you so you don't die when you go into ward everywhere, right? And that's literally what his goal was. Um, so I, I think that's more why people were building that style. If people actually change it up now that, uh, you know, ward, warding totem is gone, maybe so, right? Maybe you have to be able to win more of those duels, which may require a more aggressive build. Yeah. Yeah. Man, big patch. Big pet. Yeah, very we big We probably patch. talked about about half of it. I like <laughs> this is like an yeah. ongoing meme, but it's like we're always like, yeah, quick episode today, quick episode yeah. today. Right? Today we, we were not the patch. Like no, <laughs> we talked about the patch for thirty minutes. We're we're set. We're eighty minutes in. Yeah, the, 80 patch, minutes the patch in, just became eighty minutes. Yeah. The dream. The patch became the whole episode. Yeah, it's it's a huge patch. You did I mean, it, man. Congratulations. Nice. Yeah, thank Thanks, you for bro. joining us. I'm what's your Twitter handle again? Can what's your what's your rap name? Uh, Fruxon. That's terrible name. It's hey man, eight year old me, best me. All right, that's you do you, man. That's well, maybe we'll have up a graphic so people can search it. Yeah, yeah, I think there is a graphic at the start because there's like a number in there too. It's yeah. not even all letters. Uh, no, it's well, I this mean, is my, zero, right? Yeah, well, there's a zero in my summoner name because I can't take the other one because it's like reserved or something. Because someone else took it before you. Well, no, it's because like when I made it my riot name, like they reserved the original name, so I have to ask player support to like kind of change. But it. it's important that people see his Twitter so they have yeah. someone to flame for. That. All right, all right, yeah, flame exactly. me on. Yeah, it's P H R O X Z O N. Yeah.
All right, thanks, Matt. He did the AP items, also worked on the patch. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of The Dive. Thank you again. We will be back next Wednesday. Uh, actually talk about the NALCS probably a little bit more mm-hmm. and maybe some extra thoughts on the patch. And this more one 8-4, yeah. was all about more the 8-4. patch for sure. Remember, keep sending us Twitter questions, at Kobe, at RyChat, at RyAzale, and to Matt. <laughs> you can tweet whoever you want <laughs> as long as you use the hashtag The Dive, LOL. And NALCS starts this weekend. Uh, countdown starts at 1.30 p.m. NALCS countdown, that is, on Saturday. Sweet.